You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. All right, cool. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Course Report Coding Bootcamp News Roundup podcast. It's November. Yes. Hi, Lauren. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Imogen. Hi. This is fun. <laughs> I think this is our last podcast of the year. Yeah, this it is. Next year, I mean, I think next month we'll all be out of New York. I'm going to be in Houston. I'll be You'll in be Virginia. home too. Yeah. Well, Imogen, you'll be in. I'll be here. Maybe I should just record one by myself. (laughs) We can do a a solo podcast, yeah. Or maybe we'll join in from Skype or something. We'll see. But we will do our, like, end-of-the-year yearly news roundup and talk about everything that was really important over 2016 before we move into this next year. Um, So we can look forward to that. But I think this will be our last podcast of the year. So um, anything interesting happen this month? stuff yeah so one thing that i thought was cool was we were mentioned on a list of interesting developer podcasts on um, a website called simpleprogrammer.com and we will post a link to this if you want to see the list of other podcasts mentioned on that list um other podcasts that were there include code newbie developer on fire scale your code learn to code with me which is hosted by lawrence bradford a friend of course report yes friend of course report yeah so, yeah, we're really happy that people have noticed our podcast and they're listening. So thanks, everyone, who's yes. listening right now. Thanks for listening. And we've also gotten a lot of feedback from you. So that has been amazing. Um, always improving our audio um, and a lot of feedback on the format. So uh, we really appreciate that type of feedback, too. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll post that link to, to that podcast article. And then we'll also post a link under resources to just all of all of the links that we talk about, right? Yep. And of course, you know, resources, check it out on Course Report. We publish a list of every article, story, and announcement that we talk about in the podcast. So definitely check it out. Each month. Okay, cool. Um, All right. So we rounded up all of the news from November. Um, What do we want to talk about? I think I'm going to touch on a big boot camp rebrand that you may have heard about, but we're going to sort of dive into that. Uh, The UN is actually getting involved with coding boot camps, which is very interesting. Cool. I think the debate about computer science degrees versus boot camps just continues to rage on. So there was a Fox Business News piece that um, I was featured on, and then there were a couple other pieces that actually dove into CS degrees versus boot camps. So we'll touch on those. And then we'll also talk about ethics in programming, boot camp ethics, and how that sort of extends into the world of coding boot camps. Yeah. And we were pleased to see another boot camp has released their outcomes report. So we will look at that and some of the stats that came out there. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, there are new coding schools um, and campuses. So we'll be excited to touch on that as well. Yep. Cool. Yeah, so it's an interest, been an interesting month, November. Um, first up, let's talk about the Hack Reactor rebrand. Liz, I know you worked really hard to get the Course Report <laughs> website ready for yes. that shift. So can you explain to us like what actually happened there? 
Yeah, totally. Okay, so this wasn't written about super widely. Uh, it was in a couple of press releases, but we still think it's really important that future boot campers know about this. It's an interesting consolidation. Um, so Makersquare and Telegraph Academy are now officially Hack Reactor. Um, in 2015, Hack Reactor acquired a few schools. They um, now have uh, Telegraph Academy and then Operation Spark in New Orleans and Mobile Makers. Uh, as well as Makersquare. And so now they will all, or at least Telegraph Academy and Makersquare will all live under the, the Hack Reactor name. Um, so now there are officially campuses in San Francisco, Austin, New York, LA, Oakland. Am I missing any? that Hack Reactor Makersquare were in? I, I think, think those I are the Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Like for me, I think the pros for this is it obviously simplifies the application process for students. The pricing is now all the same. I think it's around 18,000. Um, uh, one potential con, it may just become harder to tell the quality between those schools since they're now all under the brand of Hack Reactor, which is arguably the strongest brand of those three. Yeah, um, I'm interested in the prep programs because oh, yeah. I wrote an article about those a little while ago and I think there were like three or four. There mm -hmm. was like a Make a Square one, a Telegraph Academy one, a Hack Reactor one and I'm interested, like, <laughs> are they keeping those? or? Yeah, there were several. Uh, yeah, we published a Q&A about this with the Hack Reactor team and their team told us that prep programs are now also being consolidated. So students can now take the Hack Reactor prep at any of the Hack Reactor campuses, including live and online. Line. Um, and so you can do that remotely and then you can also do telegraph prep. Um, so they're consolidating that a bit, but there are still some options there. Awesome. So yeah, check out our Q&A on the course report website if you want to find out any more info about that Hack Reactor rebrand. Um, and yeah, and then continuing with general news, Lauren, I think you read an article about the United Nations getting involved with boot camps, right? Yeah, I did. So Tony Yu of Business Insider highlights basically that the United Nations is partnering with a startup, and this is actually very rare. So the startup is Coder Factor Academy, which is an Australian coding boot camp. And basically, they're partnering with the UN's ICT agency, which is the International Communications Technology Agency. <laughs> Sorry, a mouthful. Um, so they're partnering together because they want to help potential tech talent in the Philippines. Okay. So Coder Factory Academy announced that Filipino universities are sending lecturers and faculty over to initiate this spread of the boot camp learning model, um, which is really interesting. And so Coder Factory Academy's managing director, Ramon, Nambayer says that their goal is to, quote, make coding training more accessible and approachable and help promote the creation rather than the consumption of technology products. Cool. And then when does that program actually launch? It launches in the Philippines in February of 2017. That's so cool. It sounds like the yes. UN is actually realizing how important coding skills are. And yeah. It's about time. Yeah, that's <laughs> so cool. Now, Liz, a topic we haven't really talked about much in regards to boot camps, which is obviously very important, mm -hmm. is ethics. Um, can you remind us about that article you read in Business Insider? Okay, yeah. So this was a Business Insider article. I think it really stems from a just an interesting moral question, something that should really be ongoing in the programming community and also in boot camps. So it stems from this programmer, Bill Sauer. He wrote about unethical code that he was asked to write for a pharmaceutical company, and that's really haunted him. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's pharmaceuticals or software in cars or planes or, like, data that's being collected 
neglected about citizens. I just watched the documentary Citizen Four, so I'm very conscious of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that code has like really real world impacts, right? So Definitely. that article that he wrote blew up on Reddit, of course. I think we've all read these stories. I just read an, a different article about you know the ethics of gamification and in-app purchases. It's basically like creating a gambling uh, economy, but. I think this got this article really caught my eye. It got especially important when it sort of extended to to coding boot camps. So it talks about, you know, we all know a ton of people are being trained in boot camps to be programmers now. And um, the author of that uh, original article, Bill Saar, points out that coding boot camps should now be including like ethics training and like that sort of responsibility in their curriculum. Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting start to that conversation. And I wonder what boot camper or boot camp founders will uh, start thinking about that if that'll start to become like a two-week ethics training program at the end of a, you know, 12-week program. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully this has initiated a serious conversation and that Mm -hmm. boot camps will start to think about that because ethics are important in all aspects of life. For sure, yeah. Now, something I want to talk about is another important part of going to boot camp, and that's working out how to pay for it. So Time.com reporter Josh Keefe wrote an article about how software boot camps are apparently getting easier to pay for. Um, He focuses on boot camp-specific lending partners, and he also quotes our course report report that we did earlier this year about how students using lending partners increased from 8% in 2014 to 17% in 2016. Mm Um, And then Josh gives an example of a student called Amber Nash who got a loan from Skills Fund, which is one of those uh, bootcamp-specific lending partners, and she went to Dev Bootcamp. Um, He also talks about the deferred tuition bootcamps like App Academy and Viking Code School and mentions the Department of Education's Equip program, which offers funding for a number of coding bootcamps who have teamed up with universities. Um, Although I don't know what's going to happen with that now, with the, uh, the new the administration. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not yeah, sure. Yes, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. 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 I, think I talked to Josh for that article, and I really liked how it turned out because it just ended up being like this nice um, overview of like how to pay for boot camp, uh, new ways that you can do that, and then ways that you can even not pay tuition at a boot camp, mm-hmm. you know, defer your tuition or uh, use like Pell Grants through the Equip program. So, yeah, I loved that piece. Yeah, I thought it was a good piece as well. So I'm I want to talk about the debate between boot camps versus computer science degrees. I mean, this debate continues to rage on. It seems like everyone's on the boot camp side. Is that right, Liz? Or um, what? In November, it did seem so. Uh, there were three articles I think we're going to talk about. Uh, the first one was in Alley Watch. It was actually written by the Skill Crush team, which is in itself a uh, an online boot camp. So you know be aware of that. Um, but it's basically about how you don't need a computer science degree to work in tech. Um, they say that you can apply for a lot of tech jobs without that degree. Um, and they go into three different reasons why. So the first was that the breadth of experience is really important in tech. So a liberal arts education, a diverse background that includes a lot of real world experiences that sort of lets you approach problems from unique angles, which can be really appealing to employers. Uh, the second reason reason was that tech just gets old really fast, which means that you're going to obviously have to be constantly learning anyways. So while you learn fundamentals in a CS degree, you're going to have to keep learning regardless as tech just sort of becomes stale and, you know, there's turnover. Um, 
And then third, they say that even if you do have a computer science degree, an employer is probably going to be looking for, you know, an indicator that you are interested in tech beyond that, right? So they want to see that you go to workshops and seminars and hackathons and have other credentials. Um, I think that this piece put a pretty optimistic spin on it, on this you know debate between CS degrees and and uh, boot camps. But this next piece that was in Columbus Business Journals kind of takes that last point about employers wanting to see more and sort of dives into that. So this one was in Columbus Business Journals. Um, Carrie Ghost was the author, and she sort of looked at boot camps from the employer perspective. She says that employers who are scrambling for tech talent are putting more of an emphasis on aptitude than a computer science degree. So she actually visited Tech Elevator in Columbus around their like demo day or hiring day. Um, she talked to a couple students, and more importantly, she talked to employers. Uh, and basically, those employers backed up what that previous article written by Skillcrash said. Uh, so she talked to one recruiting firm that works for JP Morgan. They said tech is agnostic. You can do it or you can't. And what they, meaning computer or sorry, coding boot campers, bring to the table is diversity and experience. And then she also talked to an IT manager from Progressive uh, Insurance. Uh, and that IT manager, Jane, cited the admissions process as a plus for hiring, which I totally agree with. It's like you are as a, as a hiring partner or an employer, you're getting this uh, sort of you know vetted group of students that have already gone through an admissions process at a coding boot camp, so you know, kind of doing that work for you, which is really cool. Wait, Liz, didn't you just talk to? Oh yeah, Jane yeah, from I did just talk to Jane from okay. Progressive. Also, <laughs> um, we haven't posted that yet, but uh, we did an employer spotlight with Jane uh, because she's actually hired, I think, eight students oh, wow. from Progressive. Whoa. I mean, from Tech Elevator to work at Progressive. Yeah, she was actually amazing to talk to. So I'm excited to post that. Cool. And continuing this conversation about coding boot camps versus computer science degrees, what was the highlight for November, Imogen? Well, Liz was well, on Liz. Fox News. Oh, right. Fox Business News. It wasn't a. It wasn't anything political. <laughs> it was awesome. Course Report was really heavily featured. They even did a little show of what the website looks mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Um, and it was for the uh, That's So Money segment by Jennifer Schoenberger. And she did a great interview with Liz. And um, the piece was about whether coding boot camps are replacing software engineering degrees, as we are already talking about. And as well as Liz, the reporter spoke to a few people from the Iron Yard and also kind of looked at, you know, what companies like Google think of bootcamp grads. And um, they quoted Google as saying that most bootcamp grads are not quite prepared for software engineering roles without additional training, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's something, I mean, we hear that all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Even employers who are like super gung-ho about hiring bootcamp grads are like, they're not going to be successful unless we invest a lot of resources in them, which I think is something to just keep in mind. Yeah, and, and I thought we'd just play a little clip from that um, interview as well. So, um, yeah. A three-month computer programming boot camp costs $12,000. It won't get you a software engineering degree, but it could land you a job in six months at companies like Google or Microsoft. Liz Eggleston is co-founder of Course Report, a website that compiles reviews of coding camps by alumni. 
I wouldn't say that coding boot camps are necessarily a replacement for college quite yet, but are definitely a great supplement to college. They're giving you those practical skills that you may not be getting out of a computer science degree. If choosing a coding camp, find one that teaches a programming language you want to learn that's in demand by employers. Find out from the school how many students got jobs, in what time frame, and with what salary. Great. So, um... That was really well done, Liz. Congrats. Um, we know that not all coding boot camps are one size fits all. In November, we learned about a couple of schools that cater to certain groups. So Lauren, can you tell us about what's actually going on in Afghanistan right now? So in Afghanistan, they're actually defying gender stereotypes. Kirsten Brewer of The Guardian highlights how women are learning to code. So Herat in Western Afghanistan is home to coding school Code to Inspire. And actually, Code to Inspire is the first coding school for women in Afghanistan. And it launched in November 2015. So if you guys are unaware, Afghanistan is actually a highly conservative, conservative country, excuse me, where up to 85% of women have no formal education and only 16% of the workforce are women. Yeah, I think conservative to describe Af Afghanistan is actually putting it quite lightly. Yeah, that, that's actually true. So Code to Inspire is actually really great, um, but it would have been unthinkable under Taliban rule where girls' education was illegal and the internet was banned. Wow. So that's something to really think about, um, the importance of female coders in Afghanistan. So Code to Inspire taught 50 students between the ages of 15 to 25 in Herat, and they aim to expand. And these efforts are with the belief that Afghanistan's economy can grow and become less reliant on foreign aid and retain ambitious young female tech talent. So I'm really excited for this growth in female coders in Afghanistan. Definitely. Yeah, it's so important. And then Liz, back in the US, I think CNBC profiled a veteran who was making a coding bootcamp work for him? Yes, definitely. Okay, so yes, this was on CNBC. It was written by Bob Woods. Uh, he did a really cool, actually a profile of one veteran. His name is John Dang. Uh, he was in the US Army. He was stationed in Baghdad, and he was doing a lot of like manual data entry. Uh, and in that process, he met a computer engineer um, and was inspired to, you know, become a become a programmer. He's now stationed in upstate New York and he's doing Hack Reactor remote from upstate New York and um, also cites that he's crushing hacker rank to like really push himself into the employability market. Oh. Um, so just to put this in perspective, I think um, this article did a really good job sort of looking at what the the current resources are that are available to veterans when they come back uh, to the U.S. So 250,000 veterans are entering the workforce each year, and they basically get this one week of transition training, where and then they're sort of expected to transition into civilian life and, like, start their, you know, careers. Uh, but that seems kind of insane to me. And I think this author thought it was a little insane too. Um, so boot camps are one answer to that sort of tough transition. And the author of this piece also talks to the founder of Vet Tech Trek, which connects veterans with jobs in tech. Um, that's another potential answer. But I think, you know, just overall, John, who's that 
uh, veteran who was stationed in Baghdad summed it up really nicely. Uh, he says that startups in the tech world need somebody who can work, work long hours, try different plans, and quickly and unemotionally pivot to something new. And that's the value that vets bring to tech. Uh, and I totally agree with that. I think that as boot camps start to like accept the GI Bill and start to work with uh, you know, VA benefits. This is a group of boot campers that I just like cannot learn enough about. I feel like I learn something every, uh, something new every yeah. time we read something new about this, or I, we get to talk to a, uh, you know, ex-military or a veteran um, who's doing a coding boot camp. So yeah, yeah. I actually talked to a veteran from um, Refactor You oh, cool. this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Dyson. He used the GI Bill to pay for his tuition, and that article is actually really interesting because he actually gives a kind of an explanation of, of how to apply for GI Bill oh, benefits. Cool. Oh, so, great. if any of you guys are veterans and you're interested, yeah, check out that article um, interview with John Dyson. Absolutely. And still thinking about how boot camps can cater to underrepresented groups in tech, I read a really interesting article by Hackbright CEO Sharon Weinbaugh, which was in um, TechCrunch. And she talked about hiring and retaining female engineers and kind of the, the kind of you know, struggles that some companies are having to try and recruit these these women. Um, and just a reminder, uh, Hackbright is an all-women's coding bootcamp in San Francisco. So, um, so I'm sure, you know, Sharon was kind of writing this article with, with that kind of experience. Yeah. yeah. And um, so she, she talks about how she's actually had, um, you know, companies contact her and say, you know, how do I recruit women? Um, and so she wants to um, kind of give some suggestions about how people can recruit well-qualified female engineers. And so her main suggestion really is to hire women into entry-level positions who have extensive professional backgrounds in other fields, but also know how to code. And so those are often the kind of women that are coming through boot camps. Um, yeah. You know, boot camps like Hackbright have very, like we were talking before, have a very um, stringent, uh, you know, application process where they're really filtering the people out already at that point, and they're looking for people with interesting backgrounds who can then get those coding skills and then apply both the coding skills and their previous backgrounds to a, a job as an engineer. Um, so yeah, that's like it sounds like really good advice, I think, for um, you know companies wanting to change the ratio and their employees. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that is, yeah, that's great advice from Sharon. Um, okay. So as always, job outcomes remain extremely important. If you are new to the world of coding boot camps and you have not listened to one of our podcasts in the past, remember that the entire goal of a coding boot camp is to get you a job as a software developer. So schools are now taking it a step further. They're releasing these audited reports that show the types of jobs and the types of salaries that their graduates are actually getting. Um, So Imogen, I heard that a new school released their outcomes report in November. Who was it? Yes, that was Galvanize Coding Bootcamp, which is in Denver, and um, they released their outcomes report earlier this month. Um, There was an article in Fast Company about that, which kind of summarized some of the findings there. Okay, what, um, what kind of stats did that report mention? So they found that 88% of their web development web development graduates found jobs within six months, and 90% of their data science graduates found jobs within six months. So they do offer both web development programs at Galvanize and data science programs. Um, And this is actually just the latest in a slew of boot camps releasing their outcomes reports. We've had outcomes reports this year from Turing, Thinkful, General Assembly, and... Hackbright, just there as WinCode, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Uh, Flatiron continues to release new reports. Um, Yeah, and Liz, I think you've talked to quite a few of these boot camps, haven't you, about the methodology behind these. And um, so that would be a great thing to check out if you're interested in how these boot camps come up with these outcomes reports. Yeah, I hope to do something similar with Galvanizes also, because I feel like, you know, you can read these really detailed reports, but then when you actually get to talk to the person that... um, put the report together and really like dug into the data they you always find out something new so yeah read any of those methodologies or any of those outcomes um spotlights and hopefully we'll get to talk to galvanize about there soon um oh you know what's interesting i think galvanize actually has a campus in austin right and i hear yeah, that yeah they have a few <laughs> campuses now yeah i hear that the texas workforce commission is actually really cracking down in um in texas on coding boot camps is that right lauren yeah they're actually really cracking down so will anderson of austin business journal basically highlights the demand for tech talent and high-paying jobs has led to an influx of coding schools in texas and austin specifically and so with the growth of these coding boot camps the texas workforce commission is cracking down on these education regulations. So basically, the TWC is requiring these career schools and training programs, which coding boot camps fit into this category, they're requiring them to be certified. And so these certifications can cost up to $1,000 to $3,000. And if these schools aren't certified by this commission, penalties can include a fine of up to $1,000 a day. Um, Lauren, which schools were in that business journal article and um, how are they like reacting to this? Yeah, so the article mentioned the Iron Yard, General Assembly, Hack Reactor, um, but Austin Coding Academy was the main school that had, you know, thoughts about Mm -hmm. these regulations. Okay, what did they say? And so basically the co-founder, Luke Filippos, basically said that it's tough, well, end quote, it's tough that people are regulating and aren't necessarily well-equipped as what would be appropriate for such a rapidly moving industry. Mm -hmm. So basically the article is saying that these coding boot camps don't necessarily agree with these regulations, of course, because tech is ever-changing so quickly. And so how can you really regulate an educational system that is continuing to change so rapidly? But you can definitely check out all the Texas schools that are accredited by the TWC, um, and we'll post that link with this podcast. Yeah, I think we hear generally the same sentiment from any school that has to go through this regulation process, you know, like they are totally happy to comply with regulations. It's just becomes a little bit funny once they're actually going through that process because, you know, they have to prove that they have like a physical library and like a fax Mm -hmm. machine set up and they're being regulated by the same, you know, regulatory agency that's also regulating like nail salon um, training programs and and things like that. So uh, yeah, things can get a little bit funny just because it's a new industry, but Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah. Okay, so next we'll talk about new boot camps and new campuses. So, of course, there have been some schools that have expanded in November. So let's start with those. And then we'll talk about new schools um, and schools that we added to the directory. But Liz, what's happening with Level? Right. Okay, so this is according to Bostino. Um, 
Level is expanding to Canada. So Level, just a reminder, is the data analytics boot camp. They were founded by Northeastern. Um, they're expanding to Toronto in January. And they that will mean that they'll have campuses in Toronto, but also in Boston, Seattle, Silicon Valley, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and most importantly, this is not official yet, but they did say in the article that they could possibly give uh, undergraduate and master's level college oh, wow, credit, which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. I've been kind of waiting for that because it's like run through Northeastern. So it's like, can can you just give them some college credit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I read in Nation Swell that Operation Spark is increasing their reach. Cool. So as a reminder, Operation Spark is a nonprofit coding boot camp that is partnered with Hack Reactor. Mm-hmm. And they specifically focus on low-income individuals in the New Orleans area. And it's a month-long boot camp. Um, and they cover programming fundamentals, as well as, in addition to that month, they have a three-month training program where they're learning more about web development. So it's really an intensive, immersive program, and their aim is to really enhance the social impact through technology, and so a lot of their projects they work on, you know, trying to figure out public service challenges Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Um, One example is they actually partner with the White House and the New Orleans Police Department and created an app for managing their data. So it's really cool, a really cool program. Um, And so they're looking to expand statewide, so more cities within Louisiana. So that's really cool. So New Orleans may be the new Silicon Valley or the Bayou Valley. Bayou Valley. Bayou Valley. I like that. Nice little ring to it. That's great to hear. Cool. And then I, over over the sea now to the UK, um, I read an article in the the UK Mirror um, website about the UK government's new initiative to fund a 10-week cybersecurity boot camp to protect the country from hackers. So in this article, it explained that the UK government wanted to teach students how to hack into drones and fight cyber attacks. And the students will also get exposed to malicious code and practical challenges. And the program is actually going to be free and does not require any previous experience. So... Mm. I think that's an exciting new career for some British people who want to help protect their country. Definitely. Well, I also read that in The Man Eater by Victoria Cuz. What's The Man Eater? Uh, Interesting (laughs) publication title. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) they talk about um, Ravature Coding Bootcamp. And they're expanding to the University of Missouri. So another university coding bootcamp partnership. Um, if you've been listening to the past podcast, you know that Rapture is a free, free is always good, guys, mm-hmm. free 12-week program, um, and they're based out of um, Reston, Virginia. Yeah, they're, their non-university program is based out of Reston. Non-university, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They're based in Reston, but this program with the University of Missouri is going to be teaching Java and .NET. Um, and when you graduate from this program, you're actually guaranteed employment with Fiverr, a professional certification, and you're placed in jobs in companies in either Kansas City or St. Louis. So it's pretty, pretty cool. good Is it deal. working? Like, do, are people going to these? Well, so I don't know how many students they've, you know, accepted yet, but the first three days of the partnership's announcement, they had 100 Missouri students apply. Dang. So. Awesome. All right. That's okay. a lot. Well, <laughs> very cool. Go Revature. 
Um, all right, another new campus. Well, this is kind of a, um, a new uh, campus licensing another school's curriculum. So National American University, which is in Louisville, Texas, uh, they licensed Refactor U's curriculum. Remember, Refactor U is a school in uh, Colorado. Uh, they teach JavaScript, so I'm assuming that this will be a JavaScript-based school. Uh, so it'll be a 10-week boot camp. It starts in January. So all of our Louisville, Louisville is near Dallas, right? I think so. I don't know. I think it is. <laughs> I'm a Houston native, so I have, to, I have to know this. I, I'm pretty sure it's near <laughs> Dallas. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then Coding Dojo has launched a new training program for Amazon's virtual assistant, Alexa. If you're not sure what Alexa is, it's kind of Amazon's version of Siri, like you have on iPhones mm -hmm. where you can kind of use voice commands to tell your apps and things what to do. Um, so GeekWire covered this story. And just a reminder, Coding Dojo is a coding bootcamp which has been around for a few years and has campuses in Seattle, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, Orange County, Dallas, Berkeley, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they have a lot of campuses, and they have this quite, I think, quite unique modular curriculum where students can actually select multiple tracks to learn over 14 weeks, um, and that those include things like LAMPStack, MeanStack, iOS, that kind of thing. And I assume this Alexa module will be added as another option there. Pretty neat. I mean, I guess every time something new comes out, like, programmers have to learn that technology in order to like, you know, exactly. start developing for it. So this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I read in the Miami Herald by Nancy Dalberg that WinCode is actually moving to its own location. Ah, uh, yes. So, they sent us this this week, too. Yeah, yes. they're really excited about it. Okay, what's going on? So, a reminder that WinCode is a 10-week full-stack coding boot camp in Miami, Florida, um, and they were founded by husband and wife, Juha and Joanna Mikola, in 2014. So, currently, they... They're running out of a co-working space in the lab, Miami, um, but they're actually going to be moving into a new space, standalone space, 3,100 square foot, dedicated campus. It's actually more than four times larger than their old space in the co-working, the lab, Miami. So cool. yeah, I guess a lot of room for expansion and more, more coding. Okay. Are there any other changes um, as they expand to, yeah, what actually, is it called, Winbase? Yeah. Win, win base. Yeah, that's cool. So they are actually going to start classes every five weeks now, mm -hmm. and students can actually repeat certain sections if they need extra help with the cool. learning that they're doing. Um, and then WinCode's new part-time web development program starts in February because they wanted to give an opportunity for people who had full-time jobs ah. to start learning at WinCode. So. Okay. I well, love that. Don't they have another campus as well? WinCode? They have one in Miami Beach. That's right. And do they have one in Tampa also? I think, no, they're, I read that they're expanding to Tampa. Okay. They okay. don't have cool. one yet. Okay. Cool. Okay. So okay. it's just Miami Beach and then Miami. And this right one now. in Miami and mm -hmm. Wynwood, right? Cool. Yeah. 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 Nice. Cool. And Lauren. What new schools have been added to the course report directory this month? Well, quite a few. So we have Berkeley Coding Bootcamp in San Francisco. We have Craft Academy in Gothenburg, Sweden. Bottega in Orem, Utah. George Washington University Coding Bootcamp, which is in Arlington, Virginia. Alliance for Digital Employability in Athens, Greece. Ooh. National American University in Dallas, Texas. Delta V, which is in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And then we have Mr. Bit Coding Academy, which is in Ramat Gan, Israel. 
And that one, it, they're starting an English class soon? Yes. We were talking about it's currently morning. conducted in Hebrew, but it will be starting an English version in January. January or February? Yeah. Cool. February, February. Uh, well, yeah, it's great to hear boot camps are still opening all over the place. Um, and Lauren, thanks for adding those to the course support directory. Um, all right. So we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks and I, or a couple of months. I think we should continue. Uh, we're going to answer a question from Cora, uh, where you'll find like a ton of questions about boot camps. Um, we always ask for people to send in questions on, on Twitter and email. Uh, this month we decided to take one from Cora. It's okay. So Wait, who's this one come from? It was an anonymous. It was anonymous. Okay, that's totally cool. Um, All right. So they said, is the programming language taught at a coding boot camp important? That's a very good question. It's a very good question. It's an important question to ask. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people do ask it. We get people commenting on some Mm -hmm. of our um, posts as well, asking the same questions. Yeah. So this is an easy answer. It's overwhelming because there's so many... There are languages a lot of languages from, so to I guess choose from, really... and I can see how this would seem like a really important decision, but actually, like, I, it really isn't. Um, it, the language that you choose to learn, <laughs> yeah, I think unless you want to work in a job market that strictly hires in one mm-hmm. specific language, so like you do your your search on Indeed and you find that your you know town only hires in .NET, then of course mm-hmm. you want to go to a .NET boot camp. Um, but in general, the the language that you that you choose to learn doesn't really matter. If you learn one object oriented programming language, then you can learn another one in time to start a job, right? Yeah, and actually, a lot of coding boot camps actually aim to teach their students how to learn, so that so that the students will then know the steps to take, mm-hmm. and they can learn any language they want pretty easily. Because I think you know, once you kind of got your head around how to read the documentation and read the, the tutorials, and like, yeah, just learning new, then yeah. it's kind of it's it's like when you learn a, a foreign language, and once you've learned one foreign language, you can apply similar rules to mm-hmm. learning right. a second one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I think that most, well, Imogen, you were talking about this earlier, but about how like most boot camp students don't really have like a particular language in mind when they right. start their boot camp. Cause they're usually, you know, you're a beginner. Like it's not like you yeah. actually know the intricacies no. between JavaScript and Ruby on Rails and Python. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Um, like a lot of students just know what they want to be able mm-hmm. to do. Like they know, okay, I want to be able to build a website from scratch. I want to be able to build a mobile app. And then they think, okay, I don't mind how I get there. I just want to be able to know that I can get there through whatever language I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I think the short answer is, is no, it's not, it's not really important. Um, but remember that whatever language you do learn in 10 years, um, maybe even in 10 months, like, that language could be completely obsolete. So learning your first programming language is just the start, right? You're signing up to be a lifelong learner. You should expect that after you learn your first language, you will only be learning new libraries, frameworks, technologies, maybe even completely new stacks. Um, But that's a really good question. I'm glad to answer it. Definitely. So what about our favorite places to write this month? Okay, cool. What was yours, Erin? Um, okay, so mine... Okay, so I talked to a Turing School alum 
Jack Yeh, and he actually, um, he used to be in the Marines and then later received a master's degree in environmental management from Yale. Yeah, he seems like a real overachiever, actually. Yeah. As I was reading his background, I was like, wow, he Jack, a really lot of us great experience. No, and he <laughs> was really great to talk to. So, so basically, he worked in supply chain management for corporate brands like Walmart, Groupon, and then even the Chinese Postal Service. Um, and while he was doing this, he just kept seeing that their technology processes were subpar. Like everything that they were trying to do with the supply chain management was not working. And he felt like a lot of the, the programs and software were very outdated. Um, so he went to Turing School because he wanted to learn the technology behind all of the, you know, supply chain management um, operations. And now Jack is at a healthcare tech company as a full stack developer. So I thought it was a really cool process of him like realizing the problems that he had with technology and then going out and getting that that knowledge that he needed to be able to solve those problems that he wanted. So very cool. Amazing. Yeah, super cool story. MJ, what was your favorite? So I really enjoyed doing this article called Three Paths to Programming at Flatiron's online campus. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to three students in three different locations who all had really different reasons for going to Flatiron's online coding bootcamp. Mm -hmm. um, one of the students was Kenlin, who is a full-time mom and former pharmaceutical product manager, and she was based out of Seattle. And then there was Lucas, who was a former elementary school teacher who was learning to code while traveling in the US and South America. And then Maurice is a father and a full-time accountant learning to code in the evenings. So um, I did this like three-way Google Hangouts call with them, which was super fun. And I asked them all like very similar questions and they all kind of got to compare their experiences and their kind of reasons for wanting to study online. Like a lot of them wanted just wanted that flexibility of being able to choose how much time to put in each week and and so, yeah, it was really interesting to hear their experiences and their various reasons for learning online. Yeah, I loved that comparison, too. I thought that was really cool. Um, my favorite piece in November, I didn't actually write this one, but I want to give a shout out to it. Our new shiny um, coding bootcamp glossary. Yay! Yay! So that's in our resources section. Lauren headed that up, and we're all going to keep you know, updating it as mm -hmm. you give us feedback, as we uh, give each other feedback, we'll, we'll keep updating that. There are over a hundred terms for total newbies who are ready to start researching a coding bootcamp, but are like, what is agile development? And you know, what is the mean stack? Like, is it rude? I don't know. Um, so we have <laughs> a lot of definitions in there and we tried to make them really relatable and easy to understand, even if you don't aren't like a full-time programmer yet. Uh, so we'll be building on that. Like I said, so please do comment on that article, tweet us other terms that are confusing to you and we will add them as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's going to be so useful for a lot of people. Like, I remember when I first started working oh at Course gosh. Report, I needed something like this. When oh. I started Course Report, it <laughs> took me forever to figure out this. I mean, it's it's hard to, you know, you have to really talk the talk. So uh, yeah. knowing, yeah, knowing all of those terms, you can really, you'll learn them as you go, but it's nice to have something to reference. Totally. Um, amazing. Well, anything else we want to talk about or are we wrapping it up? 
Yeah, yeah. I think we're done. I think we're good. Okay, we'll well, great chat, girls. Yes, hope everybody <laughs> had a great <laughs> November. Um, and we'll see you in a few weeks uh, after when it's 2017. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>